Hello and welcome to the officially unofficial film podcast with George, James and Ben. How are we doing? Hello. So today we actually have another very special guest. We have friend of the show, Dan McGee. Hello. Uh, I think saying very special guest is overselling it by quite a lot. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, hello. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> so today we are doing arguably one of the best trilogies of all time up there with like probably Lord of the Rings in recent memory in the Dark Knight trilogy, which is probably in the title. So probably everyone who's listening already knows that. Um, the only thing worthwhile to watch in DC. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> More I'm tra- I'm trawling yeah yeah I'm trawling through my head. Uh, DC other DC really things are like a maybe. This is a yes. That's I mean, I've sat through there. Joe, uh, Joe, James. Joe. I sat through with Joe six seasons of is it six or five? Five seasons of Gotham. Oh my god, this is definitely better. Like, than in, oh my god, in a good way or oh my god, in a bad way? I mean, it's all right. So, an, oh, oh my that, god, in an average way. List, but I haven't got round to it yet. So. It's, you it's could okay. sell it to me. It, it does the same plotline over three episodes. This is really not seasons. selling it. <laughs> really not selling it. The characters are good. I think the characters are right. I've, I've heard like the the fan service and the characters are good. Yeah, like yes. I've heard like yes. Ivy's a good bit of fan service when she's like eventually. Yeah, and I've heard so's Catwoman. But apparently, yeah. like Catwoman's like a decade older than Bruce, which is funny. She's, she's, she's annoying what? for four seasons, and then in season five, <laughs> she's actually okay. Oh, okay. Well, that's a good start. Yeah. Well, we're not talking about Gotham, thank God. We're talking about the Dark Knight mm-hmm. trilogy. Well, I'm um, sold. <laughs> I'm not. This is definitely the best DC property, though, in terms of films and TV shows. Yeah, that's of because it isn't really yeah. DC. Yeah. I, I, also true. Like, Nolan just yeah. basically, basically made a realistic superhero film, and that's probably the, the most notable character that you could do it with. Because even Iron Man, you need some kind of wacky doodle science fantasy type stuff. Whereas with Batman, it's all EMPs and grappling and all this and detective work, basically. Yeah. Well, I I, I do think that this kind of put superheroes on the map for being not just kind of goofy. Well, yeah, it, it did what X-Men and Spider-Man tried to do in the early 2000s. Yeah, and they were I feel like... Bug. Because Spider-Man wasn't that edgy and it was just goofy until Spider-Man 3, in which we have that legendary Tobey Maguire scene at the jazz cafe. Well, that was the um, wrong kind of edge. The wrong then, kind of edge. Oh, yeah, wrong time, kind of edge. Oh, clearly. no, it wasn't. Then, that, that was the best oh, kind of James. edge. It's the, oh. <laughs> those Spider-Man movies just hold a place in my heart. They're, they're just they're a right kind of goof, though. Yeah. Like, and then, there's a realistic kind of goof. Yeah, I think what's good of it is like they're, and and this is what the same with the Dark Knight trilogy is it's they're very story driven. Yeah. Like, yeah. As opposed to some of the others are more, uh, whether it's going to be the hero which is going to carry the story, whereas this is yeah. almost the other way. And it's I think why... Spider Man does that as well. Yeah, it's why they've never recast Green Goblin. Well, they did recast Green Goblin, but it went horribly. Um, <laughs> and then they've never done Doc Ock except for female Doc Ock in spider-verse yes because that was more a subversion than anything else uh, twist as well yeah i didn't realize by the way that it was Catherine hahn who played the female doc ock in spider-verse who's also played agatha recently i did not know this i literally read it probably about two three days ago as well yeah Uh, yeah we probably read the same story oh quite possibly (laughs) um 
so yeah um okay so let's just start at the beginning uh let's start at batman begins um i'm just gonna gush over the soundtrack entirely yeah what you mean yeah, what you normally do with nolan films and Hans Zimmer yeah. in general. Yeah, okay. Pack it in, boys. But yes, okay. Right. You have put this on as background music, George. <laughs> on as music to, like, drive to on a regular basis. I mean, understandably. I bought like, finals for this. You know, when, you, when you're hanging out with your mates and having a few drinks, playing some games. Yeah, playing Nova Twins. Put, like, I don't know. Playing, like, Nova Twins bring me Fuck, Sleep yes. Token. Gimme. And then there's me who's like, I'll play some Hans Zimmer. And, <laughs> I um... need to just find a no 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 like a real goofy Batman song. Just put after your Hans Zimmer Batman songs. <laughs> I'm sure. Didn't the Jam do a cover of the uh, the 1960s Batman theme? I that, that on. think <laughs> so. I know the Ramones did the spat did the uh, Spider Man theme. Oh, I know I that know much. That. Yeah. yeah. Um, I know that, but that's about it. I can't remember which band did the Batman theme. But yeah, there's your na 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 nerves anyway you can chuck in after Zimmer. Is it really bad that you did na na nerves and my brain went My Chemical Romance? That's really my, sad. My mind I don't went even... to rap for some reason. I don't know. I don't even like My Chemical Romance. <laughs> Anyways, after that hot take, um, this is actually a really good intro film and just a film yes. by itself. So I think yes. it's a great film, yeah. Yeah. Like, I completely. So Batman Begins is probably the Batman out of the Nolan trilogy that I actually revisit the least. But every time I watch it, there's a little bit that I just notice that is perfectly entwined in the trilogy or perfectly intertwined in the story. Yeah. And can we and also Liam Neeson reprising a role of oh, I love Liam Neeson in he's shit. So good. Like as like the kind of father figure or like authoritarian figure like trying to do right but then we find out subversion he's not type shit yeah um i like him because he's got that sort of like thanos there's got to be a balance to shit fine yeah like yeah you understand his his motives and then he, he comes, yeah that's cannot it, yeah. agree with them just, just, just a quick side note as well to like the third film as well i like that yeah that was sick yeah. just a quick side note do we think dark knight rises is a sequel to dark knight or more a sequel to batman begins both okay yeah i think because they obviously we'll talk, probably discuss it more down the line but they hit heavy on like the aftermath of harvey dent and yeah his also true i do forget that yeah like it's just a continuation of both of them yeah like, in such yeah. a great way this is why it's a good trilogy like he keeps up with what he's previously set forward in an interesting way yeah, yeah. i also really like um the kind of intertwinedness of the criminal gangs Raz and then also Killian Murphy as Scarecrow. Yeah, I like, like the fact he keeps popping up in the series later on. Yeah, like to compare it to and this is probably a quite a harsh comparison, but to compare it to like The Amazing Spider-Man uh the second one where they tried to have multiple villains and it didn't work cuz each of the villains had different motives that didn't intertwine with each other so it was like one villain motive another villain motive oh let's team up to take down the one guy who's getting in the way of both both of our motives mm. whereas kind of scarecrow falcones and raz they were all they're all intertwined in different ways so for yeah. example falcones bringing the drugs in for scarecrow but scarecrow's uh weaponizing the drugs for raz type of shit yeah mm. which i thought and was raz, very smart yeah and like raz only exists because of the corruption from Falcone. 
No. Like, well, what? well, part 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 of part of the package of see Falcone's like. Bribing the cops, which means crime runs rife through the city. Oh, like Raz's motive. And that's what yeah. Raz yeah. wants to take down, doesn't he? Yeah, like I was like, when it formed Raz, I was like, bro, what? He was in a, yeah. like Tibet or something. Um, yeah, but he wanted to clean up Gotham. He literally yeah, no. from friggin' Tibet. He's just like, yeah, we've been trying to destroy this city for ages. <laughs> yeah. Like, your father was in the way of it. Also, I quite like the take that Bruce's dad is a doctor. I don't know why I like that. I, th I think he is, though, isn't he? In like, he must be in, in normal comics. I think this is—is is it heavily based on Year One or Z Zero Year? I can't remember which which one was first, but I'm sure he was a doctor in those stories as it well. It really makes sense with the wanting to help people vibe, though. Like, mm. so like oh yeah, I gotta heal everyone and do good for the city. Well, that's it, and I think like I know we're not talk about it, but that's. The one thing that lets Joker down for me as a movie is the Thomas Wayne in that isn't uh, sort of like humanitarian. He's a bit rougher. He's a bit more selfish yeah. almost, you know? Yeah. And like, whereas I think this for me is the perfect example of who Thomas Wayne should be, you know? Yeah, that's fair. Also, yeah. speaking of that Thomas Wayne, quick side note again, um, I really like the fact um, that the congressman in... Uh, Dark Knight Rises that Selena Kyle goes off with. That's actually the guy who plays Thomas Wayne in Joker. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is, yeah. yeah. Like, I recognised him and I was like, where from? Went on IMDb. Holy shit, he's Thomas Wayne in Joker. Small little. <laughs> I do like the idea that sort of like Joker's from like Joker's perspective, so he just sees him more as sort of like a dark figure rather yeah, than that's sort of like his point. child being yeah. sort of like, oh, he's this great person type thing. And he's like, like so much more hulking as well. Hmm rather than the Thomas Wayne we get in this Dark Knight, where he's more, like, caring and slimmer and he's not built to absolute brick houses type stuff. Yeah. I really like this uh, like this Thomas Wayne in this one. Like, he was in it for, what, like, 10, 15 minutes of screen time? I wouldn't even say that. Probably yeah. less screen time than Godzilla. Wait, I, I, yeah, I just thought, isn't that the same actor from Godzilla? <laughs> Shit. Wait, who? What, where? Uh, Thomas Wayne, the talkative person in godzilla like uh godzilla I, versus the i know Titans. in real life he's the son of um the guy from coronation street oh what ken barlow ken, ken barlow that's it yeah that's hilarious yeah it's, like, I, it's his son in real life yeah oh my God. i don't know who you mean james the guy from who's thomas wayne is the guy in godzilla yeah i can't place him i'm uh, i'm missing a link the person who goes uh was it uh, I love it when uh, Thing Me used to say, let them fight. That dude. Yeah, no, that's not him. That's that not, not him. him. It looks no, so alike no. in my head. Oh. They he's they are like completely different age ranges. True, but like, I don't know how far apart the movies were. Also true. I think it's like 15 years, maybe. Because Begins was before. So I find this fascinating Begins as well. Begins was 05, I want to say. Yeah, Batman yeah. Begins was before The Prestige. When was Prestige? Was it 2006? 2006. Oh, yes. So Nolan's chronology from Batman Begins, it goes, begins in 05, then Prestige in 06, Dark Knight, Inception, then Dark Knight Rises. That's fair. I knew Inception was in between, but I hadn't realised Prestige was. <laughs> yeah, I, I find that quite interesting. God, he did well with that. Yeah, and then he did Interstellar. Yeah, but when was Interstellar? Was it 20... That was 2014. So now, like, Nolan's doing a film every three years, basically. Yeah, makes sense. You can kind of take his time with it because he's got that 
He's earned well, it. I hope he <laughs> yeah, takes basically. his time with it because I want them to be good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't know. What am I missing? So Batman Begins, Scarecrow's really good. Killian Murphy's great. I do think it's a loss we don't see more of him in the subsequent movies. Yeah, but like he doesn't fit. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't fit the plot line either. I like the fact um, they just brought him in for like those cameos at the right points. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'll be honest. When I first saw Dark Knight, that was the one thing I was um, disappointed in was the fact of how quickly Batman tapes him down at the start of the second one, considering yeah. he was like the main villain or one of the main villains of the first. But obviously, going back and rewatching, he gets the mm. massive dose of the scare toxin that never gets his um, uh, the vaccine for it. So mm. he's probably just crazy anyway, which then just fits in even more to his appearance in the final yeah, exactly. one as well you know and yeah like, it doesn't really fit his psyche as well right it's sort of like you know for me i think it's uh that's the story what we're saying we've known where everything's so tight-knit and it's the same with having raj just showing up again at the end it is a continuation of all three films together which i think is really good you know i also find it quite funny how killian at the end has straw coming out of his suit like he's believing he is the scarecrow yeah, I didn't notice. That I, I do much, like how that's great. you see it in like the shoulder pads. He just works like a scarecrow. Like he's a f- uh, forecoming of sort of like danger. Sort of like he's just a thing that looks creepy, and whenever you see it, you just think something's going off on here. Like something's just wrong. Yeah. Um. Mm. The other thing with Batman Begins, they really make Arkham and the surrounding area around Arkham feel a like a shithole, and b actually depressing and you really don't want to be there yeah i mean they did the narrows really well yeah because the narrows is the city just outside of arkham typically i think it's more like an island yeah that's what like the little bridges are for right yeah uh, yeah it's essentially slums (laughs) it's just slums it is like that kind of area i also completely missed whenever i've watched batman begins because i've got more into the comics since the dark knight trilogy I never really realized that Zaz is the people is the person they're in court discussing right at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's an a uh, an assassin, isn't he? That yeah, for Falcone. Yeah, I didn't so... know about Zaz at all, and I didn't realize how big of a character he was until watching Gotham. And now watching these three movies, it was like they were plucking names out of like side characters in the world building. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I oh, it was really so smart. Cool. Like. But yeah, to be honest, I'd learned about him from the Arkham games. So again, a bit like you, George, I, I uh, first time I was properly introduced to him was after seeing this film. And then it was only on the rewatches going back. And you notice he's got the scars down his side of his neck and stuff, which is obviously yeah, why he yeah. carves his victims. Like I fully like the kind of world building, the little subtle nods, the, the attention to detail so, the, and the clear research that was gone in before uh before the writing of the script let alone the actual production was quite impressive to say mm-hmm. the least i was just gonna say it's like one thing I've, I've felt about these three films that i think's a slight perk to this movie and a slight detriment to the others in a weird way is i can't put my finger on it but this one felt the most like comic booky of the three i can't put my finger on it like i, I can't get why. you sort of like rise mm. of a character it's just fits the format a little bit more it's not just that, it's it's everything. It's like it's weird. I don't know I don't know how to explain it. And I I hope you guys just kinda of get what what I mean when I say this. I, I need to I need I need to figure it out why. I but... think it's for me it's more it is just set in Gotham and everything is even though obviously he's over in Asia at the start of the film, 
Mm. The whole focus is on Gotham and what yeah. Gotham actually is almost as a character itself. Yeah, whereas localized. especially yeah, whereas of the other two are even though they're both predominantly set in Gotham, they've got that more real world feel about them. I think mm. because they're shot bigger, you know, like Dark Knight I think was shot in Chicago, so it was shot with a much bigger city vibe about it on all the wide yeah. shots. Mm. I mean they they also like the one thing I noticed was quite a lot was you know the monorail that was in the first film and it was a really big point. Yeah. About, like how important this monorail is. There's not a single friggin' monorail in the, ne- the next two movies at all. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, they get the blown blue up, the blue, yeah. yeah. So one blue... one of the tracks got blown up, not the whole thing. But they might have had to take it down or they might have taken it down or maybe something. Maybe. I don't know. Cause it's not it's not exactly like it was um looking too great when we saw uh Rachel Dawes get off and on it. I mean, it, well. it, was, it looks like what you kind of stereotype the New York subway, the mm. above ground parts of it are, though. Yeah. Um, one thing I was going to say, and this is kind of leading into the Dark Knight, but less so. Um, which Rachel Dawes do we prefer, Katie Holmes's or Maggie Gyllenhaal's? Oh. Because... I, th- I think Maggie for me. Yeah? Okay. Yeah, I, I just think, like... I know she uh, Holmes seemed to just be there for just just to be the female lead. You know what I mean? Yes. Mm. Like she's her her bit biggest acting moment was when she was getting driven by Batman in the car and she was pulling all of these scared faces, obviously not knowing what's going on under the toxin. Yeah. Whereas yeah. like Maggie's got a lot more weight to the story and you know almost I... being that right hand man for Harvey. You know. Yeah, I feel like it, Katie Holmes's role in Batman Begins fits Batman Begins, and Maggie Gyllenhaal's role in Dark Knight actually fits the Dark Knight. Yes, only because so Katie Holmes seems like uh, the relationship to like the younger Batman, like um, the kind of like obviously they're not like college kids at this point, but kind of like that impression of like they're younger, they're more innocent together, etc. Then Maggie yeah. Gyllenhaal's role is like the hardened version of. Rachel Dawes, like now she's seen some shit. She's been putting people away, etc. Yeah, it was a fairly and, big shift, I would say. Yeah, mm. like watching these films. Obviously, when these films came out, it was like three year gap. But watching these films back to back, it does feel like there is a shift in Rachel Dawes's character that you don't really need to see on screen because it's outlined so well in her first interaction in the courtroom as well. Yeah, it's yeah. a very good recast. Yeah, and like the recast wasn't even. I, I researched it because I needed the info for this because I wasn't quite sure. And it's basically neither of them, neither Christopher Nolan nor Katie Holmes has come out and said it, but essentially it looks like it was a scheduling conflict because she had already signed on okay. to do other films before yeah. she signed on to do Dark Knight. And then she obviously she wasn't able to sign on to do Dark Knight. And then they had to recast. And Maggie Gyllenhaal even called Katie Holmes being like, yo, you okay with me playing this role? Oh, that's fair. That's, 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 cool. yeah. that's, that's, that's nice. Yeah. So that brings me to a question I had for you guys as well. It's like, was this always going to be a trilogy? Do you know, or do you think it was just how well Batman Begins did they then greenlit the further two? So I think it was originally going to be a standalone. Yeah. Mm. Like I think um, it was always going to be that prequel, but then the little subtle nod to the Joker at the end was almost that Jack Nicholson Joker from '89. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Yeah, and I wonder though as well if that was a reshoot after the studio had seen the final film and they were like, can you add this scene in the end in case we decide to take it for a second spin? 
Maybe. Only, Possibly. And I only say this because I, like Ben was saying earlier, I listened to like, I listened to a lot of the scores and I've listened to a live performance of Hans Zimmer and they were, and he discusses how there was no plans for a sequel. There was no plans for a third film. Um, they just, Christopher Nolan approached him to do a Batman film. And then a year or two later, Nolan approached him and basically explained the story of like anarchy and chaos and how it completely juxtaposed control. And he wanted to use that in a Batman film for the Joker. So that's mm. how the Dark Knight was created. And then mm. Christopher Nolan came back and basically went, I want to finish off the trilogy, not just to finish off a trilogy, but to make an amazing trilogy to also as kind of have a bit of a sign off for Heath. Which I thought as a story that seems fairly realistic to be honest yeah nolan's not exactly the kind of guy who's doing who's like he's got sequelitis mm. like no, he's doing standalone movies he, he focuses on the shit that he does in the moment and then just if there's opportunity to do more in the future we'll just do it and then focus on that 100 percent type things or like yeah mm. yeah Why do you think I, these these films are very independent in their own right like they tell different chunks of batman's like arc life and you can watch them on their own like they're not like the third movie is not propped up by the previous two it helps to have seen them but it's it's like we've discussed um privately between me and you ben how the dark knight makes batman begins a better film and a world-class sequel will make the original film better it's similar Always. to blade runner 2049 how that film makes Blade Runner better. I and mean, it depends who you ask. Like, we, we sent I mean, yeah, 2049, but... but there's loads of people who prefer the original. Yeah, um, and we'll do a podcast on that another day. But, yeah, I know, because me and you are just going to gush over it. But, like, Terminator 2 as well, for example, made the first Terminator yeah. a lot better. And Aliens made Alien better. And it's, it's a rare moment that you get a sequel actually improves the original film the opening film mm. and that's what dark knight managed to do i think um does anyone have any other notes on batman begins because i feel like that's a good transition period over to uh, the dark knight yeah i have like a quote and uh gripe so one then we'll start with the gripe you, you know the big bad boy machine that wayne always produces in these movies kind of yes uh, this one is what it was what? it? A radiation thing that like, just evaporates yeah, microwave. microwave. Oh, okay. The way uh, pe people are eighty percent water. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there is that. There is that. Like, yeah. I respect the gripe. Uh, but it's a comic book weapon. It, it, it is. I, I get you with that, but oh, my science nerd in me is just sort of like, Aah! and then uh, secondly, the quote is. Probably the best quote from the film. Uh, why do we fall so we can learn to pick ourselves back up? I uh, like how they call quote. back to that in the third film as well. I like yeah, I, I was I was going to say the same thing. It's probably the um, most notable yeah. quote in that film. No, the most notable quote is uh, Master Bruce, why do you do so many bloody push-ups if you can't even move a bloody <laughs> or what, Yes, or that is it. <laughs> I love how British <laughs> Michael Caine is in these films. It's beautiful. So I think like one of the things I've got written down, like to be honest, I started making notes on this and then quickly got drawn into the films and forgot to make them for the other two. <laughs> uh, but for the first one, I've got down how like 
there's good comic relief within it where yes. for nine nine times out of ten it's not a forced pun like i think there's one scarecrow yeah. does where it's like you need to lighten up as he sets him on fire and like that was just like uh, that's forced but every other little comment like the alfred one there you'd imagine people to just say in normal life anyway yeah, yeah. i didn't pun that's, every that's once in a while it. though I, I gotta love my puns like oh pun, puns are great don't get me wrong like george will tell you i love a pun yeah but it, i think there's there's <laughs> <laughs> but i think there's a real um a real big thing with comic book films and puns like where they almost have to go hand in hand and Mm -hmm. i think for the most part they steered away from that with these sort of they they balanced it a lot better because they realized this was going to be a more realistic and edgier take on a comic book film they managed to steer a bit clearer of the comic relief and they managed to implement it fewer and far between so then you registered it and it's like that makes sense for that situation do you you think they had a pun counter just so they made sure not to go over <laughs> it just sort of like oh like we got some. a pun quota can't do too many <laughs> got to cut one out i also just wanted to add this was something that i picked up on while watching batman begins um i find it fairly amusing that most of the lead actors in batman begins and the dark knight and the dark knight rises aren't american mm. killian's mm. british Christian Bale's Welsh, so British. Michael Caine's obviously British. Uh, Heath, who we'll come on to in a minute, is Australian, I'm pretty sure. Um, Tom Hardy's British. Gary Oldman's British. Like, it's a predominantly They've even British got the little cast. kid from Game of Thrones playing in America. Oh, yes, they do. The one who turns out yeah, exactly. to be Joffrey, isn't it? Like, yeah. I think that just comes from Nolan. Um, a lot of his cast, he seems to be casting like, Brits in his roles. Yeah, I think that's because he's got like, I mean, he's he's British American anyway. Mm. Um, like he was born in London, so he's probably got that natural like London um, connection, I guess you could say, like that natural British connection. Whereas, like, I I know what I'm getting if I get British actors, and especially earlier on in in his career. Whereas, like, we look at Inception, and he's got Leo as a lead. You look at Tenet, he's got John David Washington as a lead. So yeah, true, true. So it might just be easier. I might just for be him the to connect, and then also a lot of the as well. Like... Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's got guys that he always go to, like Killian Murphy and Tom Hardy, Michael Caine. So, yeah. Um. Right. So moving on to the Dark Knight, then. Oh, so uh, I've just got one more point go I wanted to it. say as well, which was nice. Um, was the whole flip on the hero creates the villain? Um, because how many times do you see that trope in superhero uh, films, where it's like, you know, something happens with the hero being there and then that's why the villains you know this the villain is like a consequence of the hero yeah whereas which is this... what the dark knight rises but... <laughs> yeah that is but i mean with um sort of like batman begins i thought it was quite good that it was essentially Ra's trying to train bruce to become a you know his pawn for the league of shadows in gotham yeah. uh but in doing that he actually then helped him nail down exactly what the batman thing was going to be you know even the whole thing of the being a symbol more than just being a man you know yeah, yeah and I like that, that philosophy I, like... I thought that was just it was a nice turn on its head yeah, yeah. it was and the training was... montage was so good especially yeah. at the end. it really reminds me of kingdom of heaven 
the training montage. Yes, and also um, Last Samurai. Yes, those. That's probably what Nolan took inspiration from because you look at those kind of influences and you can see them quite clearly in those areas. Well, like those actors flower. are literally in I like that. two movies. The flower is an important plot point all the way through the movie. Yeah, and it's just yeah. him carrying it from one area of Tibet to the other. I'm pretty sure it's Tibet. I could be wrong. Um, so if we've got all of our points out of the way for Batman Begins, I'm going to move on to The Dark Knight and I'm going to start straight away with the question of who's the best Joker, Heath, Joaquin or Nicholson? Heath. Yeah, I think it's between Heath and Joaquin and I think Heath gets it. Yeah, so we I was watching this with Chloe and we basically, she kind of turned around and she kind of hit the nail on the head for me. She said, Joaquin's perfect for the descent into Joker and Heath yes. is perfect for the fully formed Joker. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's completely fair. <laughs> I think Nicholson's Joker is great, but the only problem I have is that I think he's a great mobster with a Joker skin. Yeah. Yeah. And I think he plays it, and I suppose it's probably more the feel of that film, but he plays it quite cartoonish at times still. Yeah, I yeah, think whereas... at, at that point with a Tim Burton um films and the previous film was like adam west batman for god's sake yeah it had that cartoony vibe to it it was always going yeah. to even though it's like a 15 rated film i think i'm pretty sure um and especially at that time for a comic book film is not it's not exactly heard of um it's just hard to beat heaps because it's just so quotable so and sort of like yeah his performance is his performance is immeasurable like yeah. it's it's everything from the way he walks into the room uh during the fundraiser and the way he's eating the food that he picks up and is just like he's really eating at it quickly and then well, he's even the way he like holds a gun as well like some of the yeah. bits where he's shooting at batman he's kind of just holding it like really slimily like, and... like when he's going down driving down on the uh bike and joker's just shooting at him before saying come and hit me it's yeah. almost like he he doesn't care does it it's just like a yeah. i'm just gonna shoot yeah, because it's well, anarchy. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna add on to that point. Probably my favorite moment of physical acting ever comes from that moment just before, where he's got out the truck and he's just stumbling and he's so carefree mm -hmm. that even even as he's stumbling, he's firing the gun into the ground. Yeah, because he just doesn't care. He's like, oh fuck it, and it's all that like physical comedy of like him still being like chaotic and not really caring, but also he's just got out of basically a truck. His truck being hit, more or less. Yeah. Yeah. Well, flipped, wasn't it? It was flipped well, over. Yeah. Right. I think the, I will admit, there's one gripe I have with that scene. Ooh. And it's so just before uh, Bruce is obviously driving on the, what is the actual bat bike called in it? Bat pod. It's a bat sure. pod. So oh, he's, he's driving the bat, bat pod and he basically drives into a wall. But because oh, of the yeah, mechanics of it, he's able to flip oh. round and land normally. I hate the bike. I hate like, the bike. So the thing is, I. How can you hit that, the bike? That's the, for me, the bike. so for me, that's just like you know, it's it's a heightened reality. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's probably wouldn't work, but it works in this instance. But yeah. then, two seconds later, he swerves to avoid the Joker, and then just crashes into the truck. Mm. When he's just shown um. how great control he's got over this machine. And now all of a sudden, no, but there's a point been... to that. It's because yeah. he wanted to kill the Joker, and then at the last minute, he went, "No, I can't." Like that's what it, it was. Yeah. Like, yeah. like I really, 
really want to get rid of you because it would be the right thing to do in this situation. And, be easy. and the Joker knows it as well. Like that's what he was pushing. That's why he's saying the Batman hit me, yeah. Come on, because the thing me. is, if he yeah, if he dies, then the Joker's won. Exactly. He becomes essentially so... a martyr. But if yeah. Joker lives, mm. Batman loses still. True. Yeah. yeah. I I just felt like again, even rewatching it, it just seems like strange that yeah I, I get the whole swerving out of the way at the end but how he now can't control that machine when he was just driven yeah. it into a wall two seconds earlier yeah, to flip it around the way he flopped uh, off the bike was a bit goofy and it's like yeah he's unconscious like he did you know as, as you said he did that full 180 turn he was completely fine and then he flops off a bike going like 20 miles an hour because that um, bike doesn't look like it's going fast at all no. yeah i did notice something there too in that scene like it's just it's a bit I, of a weird um, scene, but overall yeah. compared to the movie, ah, it gives. Yeah, exactly. It's it's so minute a point. Like, mm. I do want to buy that bike though because it is actually fully operational. Yeah. I want I want the Batmobile. Like, I want. It seems nah, less than bike. ordinary bikes. <laughs> I want the bike. Like it seems just like a wireframe. <laughs> I just want the bike. The bike is sick. It's a rocket. And I want. The, I want. I want the, the car. No, yeah. fuck you. I want the fucking tank. I mean, there's, I do, yeah, the tank is cool, but also I want the bike and then also a cape on the bike so it can flap in the wind like Batman. No I'm cape, not a child. George. Oh, don't quote Edna Mode at me. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I'm, I'm also going to say something on my opinion on the Dark Knight. Um, I actually think so. I think Batman Begins is a Batman story. I actually think the Dark Knight is, it's obviously still a Batman story, but it's more Harvey Dent's story. Then hundred oh, percent, yeah, yeah, but that's that's part of the point of this movie, if that makes sense. I think it's it's dense and Joker's film essentially. Yeah, yeah, like you see, it's it's because you in both situations, you so you've got Joker's chaos and you kind of got Batman's and Harvey's elements of trying to control. Yeah, and then what happened was is that. Harvey almost well he basically lost everything and you can see how he goes from control and melds into chaos and it's basically Batman and Joker are the two ends of the spectrum and Harvey goes from one end and just transitions over to the other hmm. and he's got by far the most interesting arc of the whole film compared to every other character in it yeah and I like how they nodded to it as well with his coin though <laughs> and then his yeah, exactly. coin got warped so he became warped uh... yeah yeah, it's funny. Um, I remember watching it like for the first time, and so it came out. Did you say oh eight? Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, yeah. So I'd have been about sixteen or so. So I, I knew roughly the main mythology of Batman, and obviously I'd seen the old um, Tommy Lee Jones played it, didn't he, in the Val Kilmer film? Yes. But as With I was watching pain. it, right? Yeah. But as I was watching it, and they kept mentioning the name Harvey Dent, Harvey Dent. I was like. I know that name from somewhere. I can't remember where from. Yeah, you and it was, it. right. And even with the coin, and it was only when he threw the coin at Rachel before getting put into the police van that was when I clicked. Ah, oh, that's Two Face. And I then mean, that's probably uh, a pretty cool place for it to click, though. To be, to right. Be yeah. But I mean, was... even with the use of the coin earlier on in the film, it just it didn't until that moment. You know. Mm. Yeah, What's we'll come on to it in a bit. Yeah, it, we'll come on to that in a bit, but that same click I had in uh, Dark Knight Rises as well with Bane and Talia and Miranda and 
Christian yes. and Batman. Just but saying, we'll come that, to that twist got me again in uh, Rises. I don't know well, how we'll come on to I watched the film before, uh, but yeah. it got me again. <laughs> I don't know how. I'll be honest, um, my opinion of Dark Knight Rises has completely changed. Thank God for that, because I remember <laughs> we've had this discussion before, but again, I we'll come to on to that in a bit. We will come on to that in a bit. Nah, fuck you, George. Tangent. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you, James. Yeah, we can um, tangent on other things, but when we're moving, the sh- we're trying to shift the logic so of the So, Bane, how do we feel I, about oh, him? I hate you so much. Um, to, 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 to answer your question, George, I, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to come up with the whys, and you guys have already kind of touched on it. I guess it's like the symbolism of the situation. You know, Harvey Dent's meant to stand for order. Yeah. And obviously What's Batman right? can't be corrupted because, well, he could be, but yeah. I guess that's what Joker's trying to do, but Harvey mm. can. And I guess I guess Harvey in this point is like a metaphor for what Batman's trying to stand up for. He's, mm. but, you know. Technically, so Batman, Batman did get corrupted, though. It's just the yeah. image of him got corrupted, whereas the image of Two-Face didn't. It was like, it was yeah. weird. They're both playing that different halves of the spectrum where so your outer it's... thing is corrupted, but your inner thing is not, or your inner thing is corrupted and your outer one is not. Yeah, so it's the mirroring between Harvey and uh, Batman at that point, especially at the end, because you basically hear it from Gordon and Batman. Batman, I I hope I get this the right way around, but Batman isn't the hero that Gotham needs, but the hero that Gotham deserves. Whereas Harvey is yeah. the hero that Gotham um, needs, but not but doesn't deserve type yeah. thing. I think I've got that the right way around. I yes, hope I have. I believe so. Um, but it is that perfect symbolism of. Batman's what they need at that point, and Harvey was almost too perfect and came along too soon, type yeah. character. Mm. Um, well, he was corruptible because he's just a man, I guess. Yes, or, but a symbol couldn't be. No, I'm, I'm sure there's. Isn't there a line in Begins as well, though, where Batman does say he needs to be more than a corruptible thing? That's why he is the symbol, not the man. Yeah, yeah. they even they so, even mention it in Dark Knight Rises when. Um, Bruce Wayne is talking to Blake and he's like, Batman's a symbol, not a person. Exactly. Which I think is a very nice token. Although, Well, considering in the first movie, the point of the symbol was so that nobody... Because like, obviously, that's how the mob uh, retained control, is they threatened people. They threatened like people's extended family. And obviously, mm. that's also what Joker relied upon in some parts. Like, But obviously, Batman was meant to be just a masked vigilante that you couldn't pin on anyone that stood up for the good of everyone type thing so yeah i think it's very interesting um i do there is a gripe i do have with this film and considering this is arguably my most favorite film of all time it's not hugely a gripe but i feel like this is starting to i think this was the start of a habit in certain nolan films the best and biggest action sequence comes halfway through the movie or towards the second act uh the end of the second act of the movie and sure isn't the third fine. act yeah yeah i feel like, like it, a lot of movies the... have done that though so like that's the kind of thing that i got felt with uh the original star wars trilogy sort of like with the second film it was tailoring off near the end because the action happens at the beginning yeah mm. and i was it like yeah. Yeah. And stuff yeah I, I mean, think yeah. within this though, it was meant to be like it, it, the the whole story again, and this is why I love the storytelling of it. When he's got uh, Gordon's family at the end, you know, they're saying it's between the three of us, you know, Gordon, Batman, and Two Face. 
Yeah. So you and yeah. you don't need a big actiony standoff for that. Sometimes you do just have that words, you know, and words it, of all it's you. That intimacy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The of it. Uh, like, so it's like, it's fantastic scene. Yeah, like it's why I have, and I've discussed this with the guys before. It's why I have a problem with Wonder Woman because everything is too grandiose that I don't feel anything really. Yeah, well, yeah. You um, want Wonder Woman to smooth you a bit more, to be a little bit more intimate. <laughs> I am not answering that. Um, <laughs> That's a yes. <laughs> so um, I know why I'm getting Chloe for <laughs> next. Oh, I hate you so much. <laughs> um, no, so like, but when I mean the big action sequence, I'm not talking about Harvey and um, Gordon and Batman. I think that is such a perfect encapsulated scene. You don't shift that. I'm talking about between yeah. Batman and Joker mm. instead. Um, yeah. When it comes to, because it's like, don't get me wrong, the SWAT sequence when they're, when it's Joker in the truck, I think is amazing. And then the subsequent prison sequence as well is fucking brilliant. Yeah. The, but that kind of tower. And I'm just a bit like, eh. Like when you watch it the first time around, some of the some of the spins are good. Like, oh, Joker's henchmen are actually the ones who are the hostages and vice versa. And like those are cool little twists. But when you watch it a second time around, you're kind of like, eh, I kind of want to get to the scene with Harvey and Gordon. Okay, okay. You're you're about to hit on one thing. I think this movie goes on a little bit too long. And I think the problem is, mm. as we've all been touching on, is how they've structured it, not necessarily its runtime. Because, like, yeah. after after they've ca- caught Joker, you're expecting one more twist. But you get, like, five more twists. Like, it, it goes on for, like, three extra 20-odd minute sections that all got their own arcs. It, you know, it hits the third act, and then it does three third acts. And you're like, oh, my God. Like, I was tired watching them. <laughs> they're great. Don't get me wrong, they're fantastic. You know, the, the boat sequence where it's like dealing with the morality of the situation where Joker's expecting them, obviously, you know, the people to blow up or the criminals to blow up the other. Well, he, actually, I, I don't even know if he expected those two gr- specific groups to be on those boats, but obviously he expected them to betray each other and they didn't. Hmm. Um, and then the SWAT sequence is great although what pissed me off about that was they did this whole like look this is how it's going to go down we're going to plan this out we're going to do all this and then they just carried on adding extra plans later on in the sequence and i was like no just plan it once and then let batman execute don't like rehash out the you know i guess what they also kept doing was like they kept doing these sight of hand moments that they hadn't earned like at first where like gordon obviously died and then didn't i was like oh that's cool and then joker's got like a backup plan i was like oh that's cool and then joker's got another backup plan i was like with the hospital oh i completely mm. fucking forgot about the hospital that's a fantastic sequence but again yeah. him like, just walking away <laughs> just, yeah it's be- that's actually improvised that yeah. that bit is improvised i think this is well known i think um that the there was a fault in the pyrotechnics and Christopher Nolan just basically kept the cameras running. Heath Ledger just started um, improvising, and it's almost the most iconic it's moment of acting in it's the just film. Fate, you know, yeah. yeah, yeah. But I, I, I get what you mean when you come to like the runtime and how it's a bit how it's structured. Like, but I don't know how else you would have done it. But the yeah, part, that's that's my other problem. So what do you take out? That's the. Yeah. 
that's the next question I, I totally agree that about being tired after watching it like i actually i, I was watched um the first one and probably two-thirds of the second one last night and had to Oof. stop it and watch the rest this morning because yeah. it was like that you just got tired you know but yeah, then, as I, I say, I what, what, do you, what do you take out? Like ev- everything has its place in that film, you know. Yeah, because if you end it with like him getting captured right at the end by like Gordon, and that's the twist, but then you don't have the amazing prison sequence. Yeah, and you don't have the change of motive of the Joker as well from him wanting Batman to be revealed who he is, and instead we have it outlined like, no, I'm quite enjoying it, but instead, I want just chaos to carry on ensuing type thing like his motive shifts and then you see what joker is re- this joker is really about and you wouldn't see that if it ended on the swat raid or the the swat chase i guess you can call it i don't oh yeah I, I, I fully agree like i don't think the fact that the harvey dent extra bit is bad at all i i think that has its place but i guess like what i'm trying to say is it's it feels like it's got three third acts it and... almost seems like a yeah. TV series that needs to just be split up. Yeah, a bit more. yeah, yeah. I, yes. get that. I get what you mean there. But again, but I, I think also this is possibly the only gripe that most people have with this film. Yeah. And if that's the only gripe, fair play. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, I, I, I don't think this is a controversial statement. In fact, I'm probably going to stick by this. Um, in the past 15 years, I think Christopher Nolan has made arguably the two best films in Dark what? Knight and Inception. I know you'll argue Interstellar, Ben, but... I know. will put Interstellar in that. Like, list. he just I makes the best why. movies, period. Like, you don't yeah, need to made, say yeah. how many or which ones, he just makes the best. Yeah, he makes... He's 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 got this ability to make amazing... Attention to detail. Attention to detail-esque blockbusters where you can, like, that either switch off chaos. your brain... Yeah, where you can either switch off your brain and not pay any attention and enjoy the film, or you can switch on your brain, pay attention, and enjoy the film even more. The only like film that kind of rivals it with uh, for me to like the Christopher Nolan films recently is probably Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, what about 1917? What about Kung Fu? That Panda? wasn't a summer blockbuster. Shut up, James. Um, Just on I really that point like about the story the to Kung Fu Panda, though. Uh, yeah, on that point of the attention to details, like. I've read somewhere and I meant to time it myself, but didn't. But there's the point where he goes and gets Lau uh, back and he obviously has the explosives on the side of the building. Oh, yes. Yeah. Now, apparently that, whatever time it's set at to explode is exactly the time it explodes later on in the film. That's so awesome. it's been cut awesome. within that time. And I've got a feeling I've read as well the um, when we get onto it, the Dark Knight Rises at the end of the atomic bomb. Again, that explodes when it's meant to explode from when you get that clock ticking oh, down. Yeah, no, I, like, I do I do know that. I do I I timed years ago the um nuclear bomb one. I know that's true. Right. I, I timed that myself once. I, I don't so. know yeah. how they get that timing of the nuclear bomb down to a second though. That that's a bit <laughs> I swear it's it was impressive. sort of like a weird Oh yes, we're calculating this bomb to explode five months away. Knows the exact second that explodes. <laughs> Uh no, they probably set a time for it and a date, rather than they've set it for five months and they've got the exact hour at that point. They probably set a time for it 
to explode and work their way backwards if that makes sense i don't think they were talking uh, midway through the scenes of sort of like this is decaying and will explode at some point and i've calculated like the physicist is like it's gonna explode in like four months and then bane's like i've calculated it to be five did he say i don't know i don't know i don't know um what was i going to say talking about attention to detail there is something that is very unnoticeable but it got pointed out to me before um and i just wanted to make a point on it as well um when harvey dent is legitimately two-faced um he for each person he actually goes and confronts other than ramirez he is take he is like he will meet them and he will have a shot of whiskey first and if you're having a shot of whiskey with those open wounds on the side of your head, that's yeah, going to sting. Yeah. Which means he's now in a mental place where he's embracing the pain to an unparalleled degree. It, that which was shows you that, like, while he was even in the hospital. Yeah. He was refusing drugs. Like Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's now he's now he's now he's the now other side the of pain. that psyche. He's an agent of chaos. Exactly. I mean, and it's he was perfect. in a self-destructive place because he just lost not only half of his body, but also you you could kind of his see love, like, love his life, yeah. Yeah, and another moment of uh, detail is um, the Joker actually gave Harvey the illusion of chance, but he never actually gave him the ability to have it because, and this is the reason. You know, when he's holding the gun up against his head, uh, his own head with Harvey holding the trigger. Hmm. If you actually watch it, Joker's holding the hammer point. Even if he pulled the trigger. Yeah, he's holding the hammer point. That's not going to ignite. Good point. So he's made Harvey like, because like, if you kill me, you're the hero. But if Batman kills me, chaos. Because that's what that's essentially where it's at. Because Harvey then still, because then Harvey gets the win because he's the one who's destroyed the Joker, not Batman, right? But he's holding that hammer point and giving, and because of the anger and the tunnel vision that Harvey will have at that moment. He won't have noticed Joker holding that hammer point, so that gun cannot ignite and fire in his head. Yeah, and I love that. I, really like, I got pointed that out before. I, I, I it was a while back, and I've never rewatched it. I never really noticed, and then I purposely kept my eyes on it. And it's a little bit blurry, but you can see where his fingers kind of cross, and it's a, across that bit. There's like a gap between his index fingers and his middle fingers. And to me, that's just basically like that seems like you're holding the edge of the hammer point, which I love. Fair yeah, enough. that is cool. Yeah. It's, it's, again that's the detail isn't it you know? yeah it's such a it's it's a near perfect film in my opinion um, in terms of an action um, no in terms of like action in terms of acting in terms of set pieces like again we discussed the runtime earlier but i i struggle to find a better action film in, i think it does everything it does really well i think the reason why it's so good though is I honestly believe because Heath Ledger's Joker is so flawless in this movie, it elevates it past where it actually is as a film, if that makes sense. Yeah. Are you having the same kind of argument that we had before with Joker where Joaquin's performance is so good that it makes the film even better, but if it was an average Joker performance, it'd be an average film? Bingo. Okay, cool. Yeah, that makes sense. I get yeah, that. Yeah, but then, like as we sort of mentioned earlier, I think this is the joker's film as much as it is harvey's film you know like so obviously oh, yeah. if if the joker if heath's joker is just going to be average then of course the film will be average because it's the joker's film but because heath is so great in it 
that's another reason why the film is so great. Like, I think because of how good Heath was, people actually forget about Aaron's performance. Yeah, Aaron like, Eckhart, his his switch from like happy go lucky, like I'm really enjoying this. Oh, we're gonna take down the mob. Like he got pulled a gun on, and he's like, he's not quite nonchalant about it, but he's a bit like, oh yeah. okay, uh-huh, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not finished. Moving on, like, moving yeah. on, type thing. He still felt Whereas, untouchable in that scene. Yeah, exactly. Like, he di- he didn't care that that happened. That was gonna happen to him. If that makes sense. Yeah, and then within an hour and a half, he had gone the other side of the spectrum completely. Mm. Um. Speaking of the other side of the spectrum completely, um, before I move on to Dark Knight Rises, does anyone have any other points to add? Because I'm not going to gush about the what, soundtrack. What are our favourite Joker quotes? I want to go through that. Oh, God. Um, there's just so many, isn't there? Okay, I've got two for me, personally. Right? We can say I've got... at the end. Okay. I like this job. I like this job a lot when he's driving the truck. Yeah. <laughs> Like I just find that so beautifully satisfying. Less and the, and I'm I'm gonna say the other one. Because can't wait fuck you, James. You can't just wait till the end. No, I can't. <laughs> I can't because I'll forget. The other one is. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. <laughs> yeah. Like they are just the two for me because they're so like it, he's not above. Even though he's the most intimidating man in that room, at the moment he walks in, he is not above taking the piss yeah because he's a joker yeah. but he does it in he still delivers it in such an intimidating way it's nigh on perfect dan benny go on ben uh as i said i don't know off the top of my head uh, i think is it just a joker line are we on about or just any in general from the film you can have any line but like because i, so I really movie. like true i so i really like michael kane's like some men want to watch the world burn. Yes, like, I, that, I just that think monologue is beautiful. It, yeah, I think that just sums up everything. Like, even if you didn't know what was going on in the movie up to that point, he summed it up in that analogy. Some men aren't yeah. looking for anything logical like money. They can't be brought, bullied, reasoned, or negotiated with. Some men just want to watch the world burn. Did you write? Yeah, did you read exactly. that, or did you? Was that from memory? Uh, read that. I don't have a good. Memory. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna be. I was. I was like. I was quite impressed. Um, okay, so if we're finito with I think, like I, I, think points, I finished. I think I figured the quote. All right. What's okay, your quote? you finish. And then my it's, quote because you didn't let me finish, George. Um, I think it's it's the. Do I really look like a guy with a plan? You know, like, <laughs> like a dog chasing cars. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it's like, the way he plan. elongates. It's the way he elongates that plan. Yeah, and then he just goes crazy at the end, as if he is. You know, he's literally becoming like the excited dog that's dog, just like, yeah. yeah, oh fuck, I've got the thing. And then, and then, what's really ah. interesting as well is how Harvey Dent later refers to him as he said he says to one of the Falcone family members, he says. Oh yeah, the Joker's just a mad dog. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, attention to detail. It's beautiful references. Um, go on then, James. What's yours? Uh, I do have a couple, but I'll stick it to one because I'm a professional, George. Oh, <laughs> we're professionals. No, ah, no. <laughs> uh, you see, in their last moments, people show you who they really are. Yeah. Why did you go Irish? Uh, green hair. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give it. I'll give um, it. I must say, it's not so much a quote as well, but in that same scene, when he's uh, 
you know, the policeman's then sort of like talking back to him, saying, "Oh yeah, and you killed six of my friends." Over us, and he just like mouths six back, like, "Yes, that yes. many." <laughs> so so good, so, so good. good. Just See, when fucking I was, with him. I love it. When I was younger, I always thought he actually mouthed seven for some reason. Like, he had mouthed seven like, back. Like, I've actually killed seven. You just don't know about the seventh. <laughs> <laughs> Which I also quite like. Yeah. Um, uh, I like how he just wanted a phone call to blow everyone up for that scene. Yeah, just... like, I just want oh, my like... phone call. <laughs> He's so in control of every situation. It's actually impressive. Um, and that's what's scary about him exactly and I love it Um, okay so moving on to Dark Knight Rises then okay I'm going to say this I don't know why this film gets so much shit Uh, because it came after (laughs) the Dark Knight it's quite simple George I know after number two but it's such a good film Yeah, I'm going to throw a controversial statement out there like when this first came out I thought this was a better movie than The Dark Knight. Oh, yeah, and I, I can see that. I, yeah. I think it's I'm because, okay with that. yeah, and it's not because like it's nothing of fault of The Dark Knight, but I liked the, you know, the finality about it, the closure of it, which yeah. obviously you could only get if you're the third film of a trilogy. The second mm. film will never have that. Um, but yeah, when like there's a, a mate of mine uh, who. He loves this trilogy all the way up to the very last moments. And I think that's part of the reason, especially for comic book fans, why they hate this film. But I, I, I'm, I am going to counter that. And I really like the satisfaction of yeah, I do. the... Uh, what, the kind cheeky of the, nod at the end? Just... I love yeah. the nod. You know what? Like... That nod, it, it, it melts my heart. Yeah. It really <laughs> melts my heart. Not going to lie. It was like, so good. It's because because even then, like this one isn't an action film. This one is so different to the other two. The other two are out and out action films. This one isn't more to me is a drama film with action set pieces in it. Yes, mm-hmm. it's like, like a political thriller, really. Yeah, like yeah. you don't see Batman till forty five minutes into the movie. Actually, on that point as well, just that's another thing I said about Batman Begins was you don't actually see Batman until dead on halfway through the movie. Yeah. And, and I think that's what's so good because everyone knows what it. that's it. Everyone knows what Batman's about. Everyone knows what he is. The re- and I've heard this said before. I think when Ben Affleck took on the role, um, playing Batman is easy. It's playing Bruce Wayne. That's the hard bit because that's yeah. the that's the real mask, you know. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think that's what they did so well in Batman Begins, and then at the start of this again. Is you make it all about Bruce again before? Yeah, yeah. Like, like this film they, is massively about grief as well. Yeah, they, they like, use the theme of masks so beautifully as well throughout yeah. this. Yeah. Um, like going on with your bit of gr- your um statement just then about grief. Um, obviously Bruce is like he's hiding away. He's been hiding for seven years. He hasn't got over Rachel's death, etc. And then like the first time that you see him out in public is at that charity ball, that masked gala. And the mm. only person not wearing a mask in that entire room is Bruce. Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Because he knows now at this point that that is his mask. He he's more bat- He feels more at home being Batman than he feels more at home being Bruce. Well, he literally... Alfred knows it. Yeah, yeah, he says it. Like, Bruce is literally like, I have no life besides Batman because the life that I was going to have, which was racial, Rachel. Was racial? Cool. 
Rachel, <laughs> Rachel! <laughs> yeah, she's gone. And it like it is it is I, that's why it's really good at dealing with grief. Is because like especially if, if if you have put like so much of yourself into this other person who's no longer in your life, it's like that's that's really hard to come back from. Mm. It's a lot. And especially when you can't reconcile the relationship. It's not like yeah. they've fallen out. It's straight up, she's dead. Mm. Like, you, you, there's no... And, and, and he's he's never... Because he was always under the impression of as well that, like, she was going to wait for him. Yeah. She wasn't. Yeah, that bird letter. That, that was such a dick Ooh. move by Alfred. Yeah. Like, that was my what? least favourite Alfred move. It. My least no, favourite. I, I get it. I get why he did it, though. Yeah. At that moment, at that exact moment in time, you understand why he did it. But seven years later, when he hasn't moved on and he's still under the delusion that he was going to get Rachel, you understand. Like, in in hindsight, it's a beautiful thing, basically. Yes. And that's what that moment encapsulates. Property. <laughs> and the thing is, as well, is like, Alfred was going to take that to the grave. The only reason he told Bruce... Is because he could see it was driving Bruce to the grave. Yeah, yeah exactly. So like he he thought by telling him it was going to save his life. Like otherwise he yeah, was thinking Bruce would never notes. find out. You don't burn the note. You don't burn people's property. <laughs> I say, James. It's not. You I guess it's it not even Bruce's property. It's not well, even like, Bruce's like property. It was meant for him. It was like, what if your parcel never got delivered because someone burnt it because they didn't think you could handle it. Bruce I mean, didn't James, pay for it. James, I'm a firm believer in telling the truth, but like these movies deal with that. Like they're dealing with like symbolism and like lies that are told that are better than the truth, if that makes sense. It's not even so much lying, it's a withholding of the truth, which is a it's it's a difficult line to kind of toe because mm. what's ended up in in that situation and the beauty of kind of that dialogue on the stairwell that they have um is that neither of them are uh, are believing the truth in that moment neither of them are are golden childs like one's kind of got this delusion and the other has this withholding of the truth from the other and they yeah. both they, they suddenly they almost suddenly realize this and yeah. because of their amazing like relationship over so many years as well that you don't see them screaming at each other. You don't see them shouting and one of them walking away and throwing their arms up in the air and slamming the door, etc. It's a beautifully composed dialogue between the pair of them that yeah. they just yeah. they it's they the understand where they are. Yeah, it's it's that respect that they have for each other, that emotion that they both know that each other has for the other, that want to help each other. And the fact that they it's so beautifully encapsulated. Like you see too many times in, in, in films, especially like these, where it just becomes a shouting match or yeah. a quitting match, and then they walk off in each other's di in opposite directions. You barely even see the walk off, to be honest. It's I mean, just George, a very quick transition. It's, it's funny you say that because, like, um, the, 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 the Bruce and Alfred relationship in Gotham is fairly good, but it is different, and the way they tell it is different. and it is impressive how in this small scene so much is conveyed yeah like it's, that... it's 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 a commend it's it you you have to commend christian bell you have to commend michael kane and you've got to commend um the writing of it as well like 
it's just so well written it's so well performed it's not a screaming match it's just and you're like it's such so you describe the scene it's like two guys uh talking to each other about how one's disillusioned from the other situationally and on the surface it sounds so boring but watching it you're so encapsulated into what's happening in that moment between the two of them Mm -hmm. And it's very, and it's 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 rare that I think that happens now, especially in an action films. I think one director that manages to do it a lot and encapsulates it beautifully is Tarantino, and Nolan at this point is starting to get the hang of it as well. Yeah. He, he's able to do it more in uh, films like Tenet and uh, Interstellar, where not a lot is going on and it's just talking, but you are so you're so intertwined in the story that you have to know what's being said. Um, Speaking of the relationships within this film, though, do we feel like both of the relationships with Bruce are forced between Talia Al Ghul and Selena Kyle? Do you feel either of them are forced, actually? No. No, cool. neither. Neither. Because I did yeah. not have that argument. There is that argument within the films, um, especially when uh, the film first came out. A lot of people felt that Talia Al Ghul, it was too rushed. And then. I don't think so. Like, she came to him as one of his most vulnerable moments. And, and she's yeah. manipulating him. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like, oh, it's insanely good. Yeah. Well, I think and that, then. It tricked me thing. again. I did say this earlier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fucking right. tricked me again, even though I've seen the film. So like, I, I really liked, you know, Batman because of these films, but I really got into the, like, mythology of Batman through the Arkham games, right? Yeah, likewise. In the uh, second game, there's obviously, there's the big, spoilers for anyone who hasn't played it yet, but there's, like, the big, um, sort of, like, part of the story, what, what's to do with Raz and Talia. So I knew that Raz had a daughter, like, his child was a daughter, right? Yeah. Mm. But Nolan did such a good job in this movie at making me think Bane was his kid that I believed yeah, it. I know, and, it, and it, I was, was, yeah, I was so, yeah, and I was so shocked when, like, I remember think, seeing the Tyler thing, being like, "Oh my god!" and then being like, "No, you know that already. How have you?" <laughs> I had that. You know, I had Bane that, is I had that, that good of a mask. reaction in the cinema. He, he I, is that. the mask of right? her. Yeah. Like, pretty yeah, much. It's so you know? it's so well done. Like pretty much everyone in this film all the new characters that are introduced foley blake so foley being the lieutenant blake yeah. obviously being joseph gordon levitt bane and talia algal slash miranda they have brilliantly constructed masks yes. that are all perfect for the story foley being this like hothead lieutenant who's like i'm gonna do what i'm gonna better gordon etc whereas realistically yeah. he's just incredibly insecure You've got Blake, obviously, he's very much like Bruce. He's got the mask of being very intuitive and very happy and relaxed, whereas deep down he is scared. He is um, terrified. He is angry because he never got to grow up with his parents because one died in a car crash and the other one got hit and um, uh, because of his gambling debts. He's also just and... got the face of Robin and you never really quite clocked that. Yeah, I mean, I'm always of the opinion that if we were to get a Joseph Gordon-Levitt-esque Dark Knight film, it probably, for me, I think it would be better if he was Nightwing than Robin, but that's me. It probably um, would go that way. Yeah, I think because he's older, isn't he? So. Yeah, I think it's that, and I just think it kind of fits so a little bit better. That's the ending that, like I say, my mate really hated, was the fact that it was like a, oh yeah, you're Robin type thing, and he's like, that, th- that was thrown in there for comic book fans. But I'd argue that it's actually there for the casual fan more. 
Yeah, yeah I'd say yeah. it's a casual yeah. fan. Because, like, for for people who do obviously know the comics, like, out of the four Robins, none of them have ever been called Robin. You know, it is literally <laughs> just a, a code name, you know? Yeah. Mm. Uh, it, I, I would have liked it if they are obviously wanting to that be the message. I think it would have been cooler if, you know, he even if he was called, like, Dick Grayson or he was called you know, Tim Drake, and, like, he had one of those was his actual name. Well, uh, I was... the the. I had this discussion with someone uh, quite a while back, and I was thinking maybe if he was called Richard, and then, yeah. it, and then it was like, oh, it's Dick Grayson. Yeah, that would work as well. Because I, I, obviously Dick is a shortening for the, for the name Richard. You don't hear it so much anymore nowadays, yeah. but definitely in, like, the 80s, 70s, and 60s. I think my dad knocks... Like, he, he straight up punched someone because he started calling him Dick. Once. Yeah, that's fair enough. But that's yeah. a very northern thing to do anyway. So yeah. Um but yeah, I think like like you said, Dan, like it is it it's a nice nod for the casual fans, but I for the comic a book fans fan and I did nod to it, so Yeah. Uh, but for the for the for the comic book fans it feels like forced fan service and I can kind of see where that is, but Nolan respects the audience enough to follow the story and then he'll yeah. be like there's there's a little like thank you for paying attention to the story type yeah, thing. Yeah, that's what it felt more like was like a thank you rather than a oh look it's it's Robert. And plus also you wouldn't have wanted the focus of the movie to be on Robin as well. No. No. I think that would have got like a little bit too crowded. Like he does have a bit like don't get me wrong, with so like we said in The Dark Knight, it feels more like Harvey's and Joker's story. This one kind of feels more like Blake's and Bane's story. With yeah. Batman being a centerpiece around both of those stories, if that yeah. makes any sort of sense, which I kind of feel like it doesn't now that I've said it out I, loud. I feel like I've, he's a bit more think important it's more than Batman coming back. Yeah, like I think I, I get what you mean there, James. Like it is, it feels like almost they are the supporting characters that are holding the story up for Batman to be the centerpiece of the story. Maybe, maybe that's a better analogy. They introduced so many yeah. cool characters as well. So, because mm. I think as well, like, and obviously, it, the name of the film sort of gives it away as well. But we were talking before about the Dark Knight and how that is, you know, Harvey Dent's film and how he essentially falls into the side of chaos. But then at the end of the film, Batman takes the blame for all of that. So for you know the character's view, he's the one who's taken that fall. Now this is about him rising back up hence Literally the name of the crawling film. out of the pit yeah right yeah. yeah and like you know it's and i think that's what i actually had this as a point for batman begins but i think it covers all the films is it's not like everybody is just perfect straight away you know it's yeah. like batman tries to come back at the start you know when he gets his knee fixed up and he has his first fight with bane but he still he isn't good enough and he has to go back to the drawing board and well, he's complacent because he thinks that he's done it before he's just so, there. Yeah, yeah. That's it. And, I, and I think that's what that's what these films have done so well, is they've, okay, he might be a superhero, but he's not always super. And I yeah. think that's, that's what's so good about this trilogy of film is, and it makes Batman even more grounded to the viewpoint that anybody could do it you know yeah yeah um there's two there's two points i want to add there with the bane fight i think you perfectly like analyzed that kind of with not not every superhero being super all the time 
Um, but to add to that as well, you you can see like through Bane's compliments essentially to Batman throughout the fight of like victory has defeated you. Um, yeah. And like other other phrases like that, I can't remember them off the top of my head. But you kind of just see it, and Batman's almost going for like brute force like he's just going for like his fighting techniques and stuff like that mm. you then see it and he analyzed he obviously does the you think the darkness is your ally monologue and then when they fight in the climax of the film they're fighting in broad daylight they're fighting outside of bane's remit and usually batman's remit and yeah. batman's not usually fighting people in broad daylight and then on top of that as well you always hear the clink of the punches because now you can tell that Batman is playing it more tactically. He's going for Bane's weakness. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So that when he knocks, when he knocks it out, Bane's like in pain, Bane's a bit more um, frivolous with his punches. He's not as tactical with it. Like you yeah, can see he just him goes playing. mad dog with it and just goes, yeah. like, the, the perfect moment is where he's like completely chain punching Batman in the stomach and chest. Batman, dodges out the way and he's still like going at the pillar and then he's like oh batman's not there i need to turn i need to go at him like that is very like i love that moment so much because it's so you can see the development in batman then and also like how victory has almost defeated him within that fight um the other thing as well i wanted to say so we know nolan basically made these batman films to be more real more realistic but a bit edgier right to what they're the actual source material I love what he did with the Lazarus pit because in the comic books, the Lazarus pit is a resurrection pit that Ra's al Ghul has. So in the comics, it's physical form. You completely rejuvenate your health. You rejuvenate your youth, etc. In this, yeah. it's more a soul rejuvenation and not everyone yes. comes out of it alive. Yeah. And I'll I be love honest. that. I think it's so good. I, ne- I never saw the link between the Lazarus pit and the pit in Dark Knight Rises. That, yeah, I, I mentioned that that is the first time I've I've seen that connection. Again, that's kind of like a nod to the comic book fans, but you have to be paying attention. Like, not everything from comic to screen is going to be literal, and yeah, not so ev- and I'm it's hearing, not going to hit the nail on the head. What I'm hearing is, if you're not a true comic ba- fan, fan, and you didn't like this film, it doesn't. M- I've just fucked up that sentence completely. Yeah, you if really. If you have. didn't like the film, you're not a true comic fan. Ba- fan no nerds. no because i think no, you, that's what the, you're saying we, we got we've locked it into our brains now george no because right, <laughs> the, pit, the pit itself as well is is a metaphor of being able to rise through that's why you also hear like throughout the film of bane being like the fire rises because the moment you hear like oh what are they chanting oh rise and it's like all these like connections the themes of this film are rising from your lowest point and understanding where your masks are and it's two great themes that they perfectly play yeah. through this film. And it's why I've not, I've, I understand why people don't like this film. People have different tastes. That's okay. But I also don't understand some of the gripes that people have with this film. I think some of yeah, them. Yeah, I think they've been picky. Yeah, I think, I think it is a hard challenge following up The Dark Knight. And it's, and you're almost never going to win. Yeah, I think this one kind of returns to what the first one was doing a little bit more. Yeah, it's like, why not, I said just because of Razile Ghoul, but like the way like Gotham is structures, it was so on that doing point as well. Again. Is there's so there's a line it, obviously there's the well known line Catwoman says in the third one about, you know, a storm's coming, you need to ban down the hatches, etc. Batman actually says those words to 
Jim Gordon in Batman Begins. I think yeah. when they when they first meet, he makes some comment about there's a storm coming and you need to get ready, essentially. Mm. So it definitely has that same tonality you were getting at. Yeah, and like obviously we hear a lot of a lot of similarities between what Talia says and what Ra's al Ghul says, literally line for line in some cases as well. Yeah. But you don't fully comprehend that because she's Miranda. She's not Talia. And also, speaking of like the idea of masks, can we just appreciate Anne Hathaway's performance? Because so the way good. she goes oh. from like ditzy maid, for example, right at the beginning to sophisticated cat burglar. In yeah. like, and you can just yeah. see the physical. Like, she literally she drops her shoulders, she elongates her neck instead, and in that moment, you're like, oh, so crap. when she was cast, like I'll be honest, I only really knew her from was it like the Princess Diaries or something yes. she did? Yeah, yeah. And so I was like, I I just wasn't feeling it. So I was like, how on earth is she going to pull this off? You know, um, especially after really falling in love with the characters from the games and then it's just that first thing of she, she says something and or bruce says something to her and she just goes oops like her and just the change in character it was just like yeah you've nailed this <laughs> and then it's hammered home when she's like she she's in with um daggett's mate and she's like shooting everybody. And then as soon as the police come in, she just turns into the screaming woman like, oh my God, please help me, please help me. And yes. then as soon as they've gone past again, she's back to her actual Catwoman phone. And then she off. again she bumps That's into it. Robin. Yeah, she, she yeah. thinks she's clear. And then she bumps into Blake and she's like, oh, help me, please. I'm the and damsel in distress in this situation type. I, yeah. Exactly. And I think the way, the fact that she was given that opportunity to show that in the first, what, 15 minutes of the film or so, like... That definitely alleviated all of my worries I had. I was like, yeah, she's going to be good. You know? Set up a good expectation. You yeah. See, I, will, I, will, I will argue that she's probably the best iteration of Catwoman in film as well. Because I know she's got to compete against Michelle Pfeiffer's in Batman Returns with Danny DeVito as a penguin. It's definitely better than Harry, Halle Berry's, first of all. So again, I think with the Michelle Pfeiffer's, it's very... That's still quite cartoonish, you know, to the point of her yeah. actually licking her hand to wash her face and stuff. I mean, uh, she did. I think there was that one action sequence where she like, um, I can't remember what she did, and then she kind of stands up, stands up in front of Batman and Penguin, and says "meow," and the like it blows up, uh, and mm. I'm just like, I mean, that's kind that's of satisfying. The tone of films, yeah, though. exactly. It's satisfying, but at the same time, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I think, yeah, I, I like again within these, like obviously. Heath Ledger gets a huge amount of praise for his performance in Joker, but in all of these films, the performances are just, they're brilliant. They're great. Yeah, they are. Like, Anne Hathaway is grand. Much. Like, but like, find me... Like a big character. <laughs> find me a bad character in these films. I'm struggling to find one. I think, genuinely, and this is, like, really harsh. Henchman 2. No, shut up, <laughs> I think the weakest character in all these films as either one of the main protagonists or the main antagonists is possibly scarecrow yeah i'm not saying something though because that's not that's not me saying he's a bad character it's a great character I mean, maybe he didn't get enough of a chance to flex so to there's speak. also that like killian murphy is one of the best in that movie yeah killian murphy is one of the best actors going at the moment like his role in piggy blinders is great he was great in anthropoid he's great in dunkirk now, but yeah also true like he's developed into one of the best actors going. I would, I would say 
Falcone is probably weaker than Scarecrow though, because he's he's he is set up. Which as a... which which Falcone? Were you talking Begins Falcone or Dark Knight Falcone? Dark Begins. Knight. No, yeah, it's, it's, it's Maroni and yeah. Dark Knight. I think is it Maroni? Okay, yeah, that's my bad. Like Maroni takes over. Why um, is it but, rhyming? Like, Why can we have like a different name entirely? It's, that's it's, confused it, that's me right now. Hey, just wait for yeah, macaroni but... and then we'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think like he's you know, Falcone's been set up as this big mob boss. Big Don. Yeah, through for for all the years, you know, up until obviously Bruce went to go see him before disappearing for years, you know. So he's been at the top of his game for ages, but then he gets manipulated by the scarecrow. Yeah, also true. Through the end of it. I, I, so, I don't know. I kind of have a small thing that I really like Falcone, but I think it's because of that one scene, and it really reminds me of like Goodfellas. Yeah, he's in the pub, and it is that like, one scene. But equally, I completely understand where you're coming from as well. Yeah, like again, I'm not. I'm not saying he's bad or weak by any means. I just don't. I, again, I think that just speaks to the volumes of these characters created. Yeah, you know, not, I, I, just, I not, just think he's stronger than the Scarecrow. You yeah, know? like he's not a bad character. He's not an average character, but compared to like all the other great actors, uh, yeah, great performances and characters. Bad. Yeah, exactly. It's like it's it's he's like if you were to do it in a tier list, he's like B or A tier rather than S tier type thing. You know? Yeah, which is like pretty fucking good. Yeah, exactly. That's the point. I also just think as well, uh, Tom Hardy's performance. He's it's well documented that he he's knows so how bad. how how bad um, that body transformation actually affected him. But like that intro scene, the same with the Dark Knight is so good. Yeah, I underrated like, that scene. I was watching it. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. <laughs> but the other thing as well is like again, like with uh, Heath Ledger's Joker performance there's that one piece of physical acting that I love there's that one piece of physical acting that I love from Tom Hardy's Bane and it's in the opening sequence and you know when they're in the plane and it's been tilted upside and all the wings are off and they've blown off the top etc there's a moment mm. where like he kind of just drops down he's looking mm. straight at the camera no fear not a blink not a flinch and he just drops down and catches himself and then the camera comes yeah. off and that perfectly encapsulates Bane mm. like yeah I'm the power in this situation. I'm the brute strength. I am the, I'm the physical specimen in this situation. I did and see a little bit of a cliche me. though that they started to make, where the main sort of like antagonist type guy likes playing his own henchman. Yeah, I've yeah, noticed that. Really I, I do yeah. love that cliche, but it is a cliche that they started to form a bit. Gotcha. Yeah. But again, I think that was probably more of a way to show that these films are connected, you know, that the almost these uh, villains are, they're so dangerous that they're happy to get their hands dirty, dirty yeah. you know, like yeah. they're, they're more than just the mob bosses of the, like, Maronis and Falcones who, by all mobs, they leave everything to the under guys, don't they? Like, and I think yeah. that just shows that these are true nemesis Clark, yeah nemesis exactly side. a criminal hire you know yeah exactly i i have to agree with that have we got anything else to add to the dark knight rises i guess the downfall of gotham felt earned yeah it did i like i like how they teed that up by like isolating the police but also opening black gate it was it was well pieced together well it's not just that it was like you could see it in like uh 
I guess where where Bruce was complacent, also like the leadership of the city was complacent. You know, that where mm. they're like, okay, we need to oust Gordon because it's peacetime. You know, nothing bad's going to come, and that's why they completely overlook just any hint of this coming. Which that again, again, <laughs> it's, hey, it's kind it's of that line. Of we don't really have to care anymore, right, guys? Yeah, it's again, it's that it's that line that Bane used of victory has defeated them. Mm. They've become complacent. Mm. They've become. Uh, What's the term? Big boys. Complacent works. I yeah. think as well, like just to, going back with the whole link throughout the movies. So I remember when I, the first couple of times of watching this, I was really confused by the like scar on Talia's back. Well, obviously, yeah. as Miranda at the time, and like I, somebody had sort of said, "Oh, it's the same scar that Bane's got on his back when you see him in the sewers." But every time I looked at that, I couldn't see it at all. Um, but I've since realised it's the branding they have in Batman Begins. So yeah. just before Bruce is going to get the, you know, he, he's asked to kill the bloke and he won't do it. Oh, like he's got the iron the cast there and that's oh, like the God. brand for the League of the Shadows and that's yeah, meant to be a nod for... That's so good because like, you wouldn't right? notice that if you weren't paying attention. No, and yeah. I'll, be, I'll be honest, it took me so long to actually work it out that that's what it was meant to be i thought it was meant like i say it was just meant to be a nod to oh yeah bane also has this but i don't actually think bane does even though he's technically league of shadows as well I mean, do you see his like, his back exposed that much you do in uh when they first go down to the sewers they like take uh, yes, um yes. gordon down there don't you but, yeah where where the henchmen take gordon down yeah yeah like meme isn't it it's the friggin meme yeah but i was, i was think probably for me one of the only big gripes I have with this film is right towards the end when they know it's going to be within a day that the bomb's going to explode and obviously Batman's getting everything together to for the big final battle and he gets the flame light to have the bat signal come up in flames. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. like I get the you know symbolism even within the character to do that mm -hmm. but it kind of seems a bit of a moot point when he knows a bomb could go off and they should probably spend all their last minute trying to find this bomb and not set a pyrotechnic well, for a symbol. I, I wasn't I mean. too mad that he did it. I was just yeah. confused how he did it. <laughs> yeah, same. I was thinking that. But there's, there's also a part of me that thinks that Bane wanted Bruce to come back to Gotham. Because... I mean, he was surprised, though. He was, yeah. but, but also it's kind of like... Because he does say in when he's in the prison that you know you're gonna watch your city burn itself to the ground, and then you have my permission to die. You know, so he's ex he is expecting Bruce to stay in the pit. Maybe it's so, not. Maybe it's not that. Then maybe it's rather I. It's it's the bluffing of setting the bomb off if someone comes in. Like they knew, for example, those special forces came in, and they completely wiped him out, and they still didn't set the bomb off. Yeah, but it wasn't like a they big wanted... push, was it? True. It was like... They just wanted Gotham to kind of like... Mm -hmm. I, I feel like it was the threat of the bomb that was always being held over the head of Gotham and the National Guard and police around Gotham uh, yeah. on the bridges. But really what the message was being shown was to see the dissolution of uh, power and how quickly it can crumble in that situation that Bane was well, trying to show. That's, mm -hmm. that's what the League of Shadows want to do. That's what Raz was trying to do in the first film. Albeit through uh, weaponized um, hallucinogen. Yeah. yeah. Um, Look how crazy the people of Gotham are, therefore they deserve what they got. If that makes yeah. Sense. yeah. He wa he wants them to 
tear everybody apart and then the whole world can see that yeah. and see them tear each other apart and then once the world realizes oh shit this is what's happening they it's then die anyway yeah, yeah, yeah exactly you know one final thing i want to finish on as well for me personally um can we all agree that bane got proper friend zoned i mean yeah wait, I what, do, wait, what like... do you mean by who by Talia. Talia. He's you, twice he's, her age. Yeah, he was I mean, the old dude that protected true. her when she was, was a child. Or, or yeah. he could have... I mean, yeah, but equally, he was. it was blatant that he was not simping over her, but, you know, he would do anything no, that she asked. Like, her dad. <laughs> yeah, true. Or am I just being really sycophantic here? Yeah, You're looking at him bit. like a dill like, right now. Like. I, did, I, did, I did find the line of... You've been a good friend to me. From her, was a it was a like, bit like it, it gave the, it did give those vibes off as like a isolated point, but in yeah. the grander scheme of things, the things it's me just being a so bit much. of a twat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool, sick. Nothing new there then. Has <laughs> <laughs> anyone thought, has anyone else got anything to add? Because I'm pretty I'm I'm pretty somber. I think Dark Knight Rises is quite for me different in the sense of the performances being at the center of the film rather than the entire story around it the thing uh you know there's always been the rumor around this that this wasn't actually meant to be the final film and that Heath's uh death essentially changed it all yes you i know? did hear about yeah. that as well so there was the you know this is all just rumor and innuendo because i don't think it's ever been confirmed but obviously it's meant to be innuendo? the joker is that the term i don't know that's, that, that's the term for like a dirty joke I'm pretty yeah, sure. No, so no it still works that... within this, in, within yeah, this context. Yeah. It still works. Okay. But um, yeah, it's, but it's the fact that, you know, the Joker was meant to be returning alongside the Riddler, I believe. And there's actually... Yeah, I heard about that, that as well. DiCaprio was going to be the Riddler, which would have been great. Yeah, I, um, I heard about that because there was also... So the rumours were, I believe, it was going to be Riddler and Joker. And there was rumours that... Christopher Nolan was going to call back Gyllenhaal to audition for the role because he originally auditioned for Batman, as did Killian Murphy, and he liked I their performances Killian both. Did, yeah. yeah, and he liked both of their auditions. He just thought Christian Bale's was better, but mm. he wanted to bring them back in other roles. But he never brought back Gyllenhaal in the end, though he did bring back Maggie Gyllenhaal. So that's kind of funny. Yeah, um, and then yeah, there was also Leo. Another rumor that I read at the time was Johnny Depp. Okay. okay, which no, I think would have I, been. I cool. heard DiCaprio more than Johnny Depp. I think, like, I really yeah. remember I, Johnny. I, I I remember at the time me going like really in depth down the kind of Christopher Nolan Dark Knight rabbit hole of trying to find whatever I could grip onto, and I think I Depp was one of those names that was just batted around rather than an actual consideration. Yeah, I, I just think it would have one. I think that's a testament to. I know he took his time because he then did Inception in between hands, but. You know, to get this movie, which clearly is a part of the trilogy from a totally different story of where the plan was meant to go, yeah, um, I think was great. But equally, I so want to know what that movie would have been. Oh, mate. Well, yeah. Whether, in, in an alternate universe. Yeah. Whether it would have been received better as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's you know. interesting. Do you guys want to get into Dimensional Cable? Yeah, sure. Let's do it. It's called HBO Max, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think... On that note, we'll leave it. Uh, the only thing I will say is I want each of us to rank our Dark Knight ah, films yes. one, two, three. So you said this. I, I like, wanted to do one, two, three because I know James will hate us for it. No, I, don't I know would say something different. To well, what... I'll hate. Why would I hate? What? 
Oh, you because of rank ranking. Stuff. Yeah, you it's hate only free, though. <laughs> I hate you saying something like, let's rank all the MCU, or let's rank all the fucking Disney. And I'm like... Oh, oh yeah, we are going to do that. <laughs> we are going to rank all the Disney films, I hope you realise. Yeah, but it helps when I got my higher or lower. You don't really need to play True. higher or lower when there's free. True. Like, all right, I'm, I'm going to wait till the end for Ben's then, because he's very <laughs> excited about it. Um, I'll, start, I'll start on James's. Probably Dark Knight, then Rises, then Begins, probably. Is that in top to bottom? Top to bottom. Okay, cool. That's fine. That makes sense. Dan, what's yours then? Um, to be honest, I think I agree, but it could be either way. You know, so I'd go Rises, Dark Knight, and Batman Begins, but it could equally flip at times, you know? What, to Dark Knight um, Rises? To Dark Knight. It's a hard yeah. call because yeah. any of these they, movies so I would just like to watch again. And if I was going to watch yeah. them again, I'll just watch them in order again. Because yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I'm, I'm, and, in the same, I'm in the same boat. And For it's me, like what was said earlier. It's like they're all great standalone movies as well. You could just put mm-hmm, one of yeah. them on, you know? And just chill out and watch it and pay attention. Yeah. Uh, For me, I would say I'm probably doing the same order as james i'm doing dark knight dark knight rises batman begins for me though dark knight will always stay at the top but rises and begins will interchange depending on what day i wake up yeah. that's my viewpoint on it um but ben's way too excited for this uh, so i i i know my opinion's wrong and it's it, it'll fluctuate but at the moment it's rises begins dark knight what the fuck is wrong with you i'm sorry no, i can see that like the second one does drag on and it, yeah like, I, I get where ben's put it i get where i would prefer ben's it to be it sort of like a series but in the end of the day it's all just good characters and fun so it's quite yeah it's like it's like the argument of cloud atlas would have been better as a series but anyway on that's another day i love how ben's not even reacted to that no i agree Okay, fair. That's cool. Um, <laughs> I, I, I remake it as a six-season show of like. Sorry, six seasons in a movie. <laughs> well, one season in a movie. One season of six episodes. That's what I think that Cloud Atlas should have been. No, it anyways, because each movie is its own movie, so I think it needs like true. a six-episode season for six seasons, and then it needs to tell it like the book or something like that. So what? It'll be seven. So either six seasons and a movie, or seven seasons. I don't know. However, they do it. Yeah. But I don't know how they also do the visual storytelling because they how? did a certain artistic decision, which is depending on Dan, who you ask. How did we get races. onto this? How so did we get quickly. onto this? I, was thinking, <laughs> I don't I know what you said. Cloud Atlas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like d- within I a split second, it instantly stopped being Batman. <laughs> I mean, I was, gonna say, I was going to say, I'm impressed that we haven't discussed Star Wars in this podcast for the first time. And I'm like, what? I mentioned no, it. No, yeah, I mentioned it. I 100% mentioned it. <laughs> I'll be honest. I almost mentioned it as a comparison for yeah. the original trilogy, but held off. Yeah, like, because we just, it always gets shoe horned into every podcast for, somehow. For, compared to sort of like the original Star Wars trilogy, the second movie, I'd much prefer to watch Batman to be honest, because it's just, oh, even though the pacing yeah, feels you know the same, it's still better pacing. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree. The Last Jedi is not comparable to The Dark Knight Rises. We're talking about the original trilogy, Jedi, Ben. Yeah. Return of the Jedi. Ben, calm down. We're talking the original trilogy. That's what I'm saying. The Return of the Jedi, okay, cool. number three. I said the wrong name, because I'm an idiot. Yeah, Last Jedi. Uh, does, like, like, whoa. The, the number threes of both franchises are definitely not comparable. Yeah, I'll give it that. Mm. Um, 
on that note, I want to thank Dan for coming on the show. Thank you very much. Thank I hope no, you've enjoyed you yourself. I have. I love speaking Batman. So yeah, I love speaking Batman. Oh, Speak you Batman know what? And enter. I think we'll have to do like a Tim Burton one at some point, and we'll draft you in for that one just for a bit. Of a while. Yeah, I'm more than happy to because that'll be very entertaining um as ever to everyone else thank you very much for listening to the officially unofficial film podcast uh james what are we ending on today there can be no true despair without hope wow that's dark <laughs>